name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. In this meteorological moment, as Tropical Storm Claudette was stirring up coastal waters this weekend, it probably seems a bit like throwing away a perfect opportunity not to preach about Jesus calming stormy seas, but today I want to preach on the Old Testament lesson, not just because the Hebrew Bible passage gives a shout out to dads on this Father's Day, though it does. There is that cameo of David's practical father, Jesse, instigating his youngest son's journey to the Valley of Elah to bring David's soldier brother's provisions as the army of Israel faces off against the Philistines. But it's far more than barbecue David is bringing. David has something in much shorter supply that day on the battlefield. Perspective about who really is in charge. A tide of terror and testosterone holds the whole camp hostage as the fate of two nations hinges on dueling representatives. Yes, this was a thing back in the ancient Near East. You set up your champion, the other guys set up theirs, and whoever won got to conquer the other nation. But David doesn't fall for that setup. He may be young, even a shepherd boy, as they call him, Saul calls him, but his spirited heart is anything but tentative. Seasoned out there in the wilds, as he listened for the sounds of stalking predators and honed his speed and precision, neutralizing those threats against the flocks, David discerns bluster from true might. This beloved biblical story does whet our appetite for the audacious underdog throwing over the arrogant bully, but underneath this familiar trope, there's actually a challenge to all of us. David's defiance reveals the prophetic voice of young people exercising godly authority as they speak out against evil in a world that often discounts their courageous voices. But the truth is, we each are called to participate in God's transformation of the world, whatever our age or stage of life. And God has outfitted us with everything we need to face the Goliaths in our world without flinching. Quite like 25-year-old Ruth Coker Burns, who was visiting her friend Bonnie in an Arkansas hospital and noticed that another patient's room was marked by warning signs and there were trays of uneaten food stacked up outside the door. She didn't see anyone going in or out, so Ruth stepped into the room. There she encountered an emaciated patient named Jimmy who was dying, calling for his mom. When Ruth asked the nurses for help, their fear and prejudice confirmed her hunch, though AIDS was not talked about as such in 1984. There had been no visitors, and there would be no visitors, the charge nurse insisted. Another quietly slipped Ruth a piece of paper with a telephone number. That phone call confirmed Jimmy's family had rejected him years prior. As Ruth returned to the hospital, she didn't know what she was going to say to him. In his delirium when she arrived, Jimmy confused Ruth for his own mother. So she sat with him for over 13 hours, reading and singing, assuring Jimmy that he would have a place to rest in peace. 
You see, Ruth had inherited 262 plots in Files Cemetery, thanks to a family feud. And Ruth decided Jimmy would be buried there, in Hot Springs, Arkansas, right in the ground above her own father, who was buried there. Ruth paid for Jimmy's cremation at her own expense, though it took some time to find a funeral home willing to touch his deceased body. Jimmy's ashes came back to Ruth by mail. She buried them in a chipped cookie cookie jar turned urn, donated by a local potter. She dug the hole herself and said some brief prayers there at the graveside, with only her two-year-old daughter beside her bearing witness. Facing that Goliath, the Goliath of AIDS, marked the beginning of Ruth's unexpected ministry. For nearly the next decade, she was caregiver and confidant to folks abandoned by their families and stigmatized by society during the early days of the AIDS crisis. Even when misinformation about contagion prevailed, Ruth persisted, though she was ostracized for it by her wider community and even by her own church. Still, Ruth kept welcoming, counseling, and comforting those God brought her way during those painful years. Along the path, Ruth spoke that authoritative no to weaponized theology that troubled these individuals who'd heard the church call their death sentence God's punishment. Just how many were counted there among those cemetery oak trees, Ruth can't really recall. The number of ministers who assisted with their graveside services? Zero. In that season where AIDS had yet to be taken seriously by most churches, medical doctors, or even the federal government, Ruth stepped forward to defy despair, channeling the Spirit's power through her loving presence as God transformed a seemingly impossible situation. Ruth leveraged personal resources to proclaim with humility and courage that the fierce battle of the lives of those precious children of God, that battle belonged to the Lord. Ruth is not so different from David in today's story. AIDS is not the only Goliath ever to have terrorized our world. Nor are pandemics the only times in which God's power confronts and dismantles the oppressive grip of human fear through those courageous agents willing to step forward. The Holy Spirit always is awakening those with a heart that is willing to see how God's transforming love is upending this world. We are moving forward into a fresh season of communal life, regathering here on the block and in familiar places, drawing upon our learnings from the past 15 months as we dare to confront ominous Goliaths that still intimidate our world. As we do, I invite us to wrestle with three important questions. The first, where does our obvious invitation come? Unlike David, we need not travel to a particular battlefield to find a Goliath that needs facing. In our communities, in our families, in this country and on our planet, Goliaths find us, ready or not. Like King Saul, David's brothers, and the rest of Israel, we often want someone else to fight for us. 
And God comes to free us from that kind of fear. Borrowing a page from David's playbook, we can look for those simple, everyday moments that God orchestrates in the middle of our lives. Moments as unexpected as seeing something on the roadside and stopping to address it as we are on the way to run an errand. Because Goliaths aren't always giants. They may be the sort of person or situation we find ourselves confronting time and again, the kind that make us want to hightail it en route to a safe haven. But what if we didn't cut and run? What might we discover then? The second question worth exploring is, what can we lay down in readiness? Like David, we have discerning to do. Not everything is necessary for facing each Goliath. Saul's armor, however well-made, did not fit David. Trying it on, David discovered what was useful for syncing up with the Holy Spirit. Fewer protective layers were needed, not more. That armor was forged for folks with larger egos who prized technologies of war. David's valor flowed from his heart's deep connection to the prophetic power of God. Stepping back to assess what helps us be ready to flow in cooperation with the Spirit, we can discern what is essential to our personal connection with God. And we also can start to see what doesn't serve our usefulness to God and others and dare to lay that down with God's help. Prayer, journaling, spiritual direction, these are all tools for cultivating that kind of clarity. Even conversations in community with people we love and know and trust, they can help us discern. That's part of why I find ministry with young adults so transformative, because walking with them as they discern who God has created them to be and to dare to take that path and pursue it faithfully, it holds me accountable for continuing my own discernment in my faith and in my life. Their, their presence among us also provides the institutional church those powerful prophetic reminders of what we must be willing to lay down if we would defeat the Goliaths of our day. The final question I submit for your consideration this morning is, where might resources be hiding in plain sight? David, stooping down by the river, knew how to find what he needed to confront Goliath. He saw natural resources ready to hand. Those five smooth stones were more than enough to do the trick. So too, even with those of us who are reticent to enter the fray, who frequently get confused about the one to whom the battle ultimately belongs, everything we need to stand in the spaces where the Spirit calls us, and to defeat any force that dares to defy God's love, those resources already are abundant among us. We need only awaken to the divine provision emerging through that visionary power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need to look Goliath in the eyes and boldly take our aim. So let's not throw away that shot. Amen.